It's Talking Football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. Talking Football. Very good day to everybody. Our weather today, it is nippy, bright, lovely day, but um, you've got to keep on the move. So the 5th of January 2023, let's uh, move down to the west and Playa San Juan and find out how Rob Daniels might be today. So good morning, Rob, and what is your weather like down there? Yeah, good morning, Vince. Good morning, uh, everybody. Um, and Happy New Year to you, Vince, and your family, and uh, Happy New Year to all the listeners. Um, it's a beautiful day down here, actually, Vince, at the moment. The sun's out. Um, it's a little bit on the uh, chilly side, as uh, you said it is where you are. But uh, what I'm thinking about doing later on is uh, going for a walk on the seafront. It's one of these days when you could actually go for a brisk walk, especially after the last couple of weeks of... Uh, I haven't gone over the top, but you know what Christmas is like. You tend to, you tend to eat too much, don't you? So, uh, yeah, but it's a lovely day down here. Great. OK, well, look, uh, let's get cracking straight away because we've got lots of football to talk about. Obviously, we'll get to the games eventually because there's been some good football already this week. Um, but we've got this business of um, the politics coming in once again. Uh, we just thought that we got rid of um, the, you know, the Qatar World Cup. And in comes a story which I felt I needed to actually have a chat with you about about uh, the First Minister in Wales, Mark Drayford, uh, Drakeford, sorry, has come under fire after it was revealed the Qatari government paid for the Welsh First Minister to stay at a luxury five-star hotel during the World Cup. Uh, the Labour politician enjoyed a three-night stay at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Doha, which sits on a private island at the expense of the tournament's host nation. Opposition parties, of course, have warned um, Mr Drakeford's acceptance of hospitality from the Middle East state risked undermining the Welsh government's stance on human rights and the First Minister is facing calls to donate the equivalent cost of the trip to charities. He'd already been criticised after it was revealed last month that £13,000 of taxpayers' money was spent on his and a fellow minister's trip to Qatar prior to attending the tournament. Uh, Mr. Drakeford had insisted his visit would allow him to shine a light on a human rights issues and abuses and the lead-up to the World Cup had been dominated by global condemnation of Qatar over migrant worker deaths and treatment of women um, and LGBT people. Mr. Drakeford attended Wales' opening game against the USA, whilst the economy minister, Vaughan Gathering, attended Wales versus England. So, um, what did you think of that? I mean, really, do you think that it's appropriate and it's acceptable, or do you think it's a bit dodgy? Well, to be honest, with you, I've never heard of this uh, man, Mark Drakeford, until um, you mentioned him yesterday. And uh, I don't imagine that I'll probably ever hear him again after we've done this podcast. But he's mixing um, politics in, into the whole thing again, isn't it? Um, but personally, I don't see it as much relevance, really, um, 
why didn't people bring it up at the time? Um, it seems to me that it's just it's just interior Welsh party politics. However, um, Mr. Drakeford and his um, other minister, you mentioned his name, I can't remember what it was called, but uh, they did actually go. Um, and they were actually invited by the Qatari government to actually go there for a few days and be um, put up in a hotel by then. They, they paid their own expense of the, the Welsh government, which means the Welsh taxpayer paid for their tickets and things, uh, which is the £13,000 that you mentioned. Um, but then they're complaining, the same people, the opposition politicians are complaining about the fact that they allowed the Qatari government to put them up in a five-star hotel, the Ritz-Carlton, I think it was, wasn't it? Mm. Um so it probably saved the Welsh taxpayers some money by doing that. Well, I'm looking at... If you're in the state, Vincent, you're invited to some sort of major event, um, if you'd have turned it down, it'd have been very rude to the Qataris to turn down. Um, he might have gone along and he probably did. They probably did speak. We don't know what they spoke about in private, but the, Qatar will have been made aware by the, all the rest of the world, won't it, that people aren't happy throughout the world about their position on... Um, workers' rights and uh, this LGBT plus um, community and things like that. Yeah, but how many people are we actually talking about? This is the whole thing for me. <coughs> you know, uh, it, it's only a, a tiny number of people, but it's being made for the 99% of the population to sort of kowtow to uh, their views and everything. But let's look mm. then at what one of the comments was from the article guy come uh, from leicester uh, you, uh, you Drakeford vaughan you pair of hypocrites you did not share your views on any human rights workers uh, rights or lbgtq with any qataris if you had you would either have gone missing or your journey home would have been a damn sight quicker than your arrival I looked into this uh, because basically, um, you know, part of you is thinking it's uh, wasting taxpayers' money. The other half is thinking that it might be just sort of pandering to this very small number of people who are causing these type of problems for everybody else that obviously exist, by the way. I'm not I'm not for a minute saying they don't exist um, because the thing with the workers, I mean, we were talking about 6,000 um, people that had died, you know, which was dreadful, dreadful figures. But uh, I, I also found that um, the Qataris had uh, been doing some commercial business with them with the Qantas airline, I think it is, um, not not Qantas, is it? Uh, Qatar Airline, of course. Um, and uh, the uh, fact is, of course, that uh, if you don't um, go and show the flag, the Welsh flag, then obviously the, 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 there won't be any business to be done at all. But they, they had finished their business with the Welsh people. So... Um, I mean, I suppose you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, at the end of the day, exactly the way I was looking on it, Vince. Actually, I mean, the the, the man went and he gets criticised. If he hadn't have gone, he'd have been criticised with people with the opposing view, wouldn't he? So, as you say, he was in a no-win situation, um, and he was invited, and I think it would have been it would have been seen as very rude to turn it down. Okay, I'm going to go on next to the England Lionesses because the, their supporters are furious. That only four members of their squad um, have been named on the New Year's honours list. Uh, Serena Wigman's side won the Euros in the summer with a tournament that saw interest levels in women's football. Um, and, of course, uh, Beth Mead 
Alan White and Lucy Bronze were all rewarded for their role to play in the success with the trio each receiving an MBE and the captain Leah Williamson was also recognised for her influential displays getting her an OBE. Wigman who took control of England in 2021 was also named on the overseas honours list with the former Dutch international receiving a CBE though some Lionesses fans believe that only four players being named on the honours list was disgusting and felt that it doesn't recognise that the Euro 2022 success was thanks to a team effort Uh, one supporter wrote on Twitter congrats to those recognised but to not reward the whole squad is wrong if I were the England Mensky uh, team uh, then even the bus driver would have got one Um, okay what do you think of what uh, that article was talking about right well this is the uh, anybody who doesn't know uh, anyone from uh, a dozen part of the world for example this is the New Year's honours list isn't it which um, I think this was King Charles's first well it was his first one because I think the Prime Minister also puts out honours but these are titles that are given to people who've actually uh, done something good for the country I suppose or a lot of people who work behind the scenes and things who don't get mentioned in the press it's a lifelong dedication to working for charities or doing good works generally isn't it but sports people these days um, and, and musicians uh, to a certain extent that they, they tend to get these things given to them if they win something um, and they've done this with the Lionesses team but they've only given um, four medals um, instead of giving the whole team an individual medal. Now, I, I think an alternative to that would possibly to, be, to give the whole team, to give the whole squad a special one, and they can all sort of have a little token, if you like, so that each individual has got something to commemorate the occasion. Um, because I don't know if there's a limit on how many of these uh, awards they can give away at, at, at each time. Um, but it's not, the f- it's not the first time they've given sports teams... Um, these prizes, they call them OBEs, they called the Order of the British Empire and things, which I think are a bit obsolete, to be honest, these days, Vince, because Britain hasn't got an empire, but that's a completely different story. But they sometimes give the... Uh, it was the 2002 um, English Rugby Union team who won the World Cup. They all got a medal, each member of the squad. But then when they won it again in, I think it was 2012, um, they didn't give all the England rugby squad um, a medal. They only gave certain members. So um, I don't understand how the whole system works, but it's, it's thrown a quite a lot of um, bad feeling, I think, amongst the people who do support the um, the ladies' football. And um, that's the situation as it is. I can't really give you any more information on that because I don't really have that much more. No, um, but but for me, you see, I, I think it's nonsensical. You've got people winning medals, uh, winning world championships, winning titles all, all the time, and uh, they don't get um, MBE or OBE or whatever it might be. Um, no. So that's the first thing for me. I, I think that the thing is, it's it's really um, nonsensical at times, and to give just four members of the team or the squad um, the medals or the gongs is totally inappropriate because it's a team game you either give them all one or you give none of them um, yeah, or you give them one overall big one that they can sort of share between them if you like and sort of especially big one that they can all have part of um, because it is a team game as you say but uh, so I don't really know the ins and outs of exactly how these things work um, do you know who else got um, got 
these kind of prizes from the world of football. Well, look, um, that brings us nicely to the next part of what I was going to talk anyway, because, um, you know, irrespective of who else, uh, we're talking football. So Sol Campbell has posted a list of his footballing achievements on Twitter in outrage after not being named in the New Year's honours list. The former Arsenal and Tottenham defender said he's seen a lot of people getting MBEs, OBEs and knighthoods for services to sport and made it clear that he felt he should be among them. Um, so, obviously, you've got the um, the ladies from the Lionesses. Uh, but when you look at uh, Sol Campbell, he was one of the best defenders in the world during the late 1990s and early 2000s, winning two Premier League titles with Arsenal and earning 73 caps for England. Having come through Tottenham's academy, he made more than 300 first-team appearances for Spurs before making that controversial move to North London uh, to Arsenal. Arsenal. Um, Campbell would spend five seasons with Arsenal and lifted two league titles and three FA Cups under Arsenal, uh, sorry, under Arsene Wenger, uh, while also reaching a Champions League final with the Gunners. The centre back, he's 48 by the way, was a key member of Arsenal's Invincibles, still holds the record for the longest run of Premier League games without a defeat. On the international stage, he's featured for England at three World Cups and three European Championships and was named in the team of the tournament at the 2002 World Cup and at Euro 2004. He believes his achievements for club and country should be uh, reflected in an OBE, MBE or knighthood and says a lot of other sports people with less impressive records have been honoured. I, I'm t- I, I sort of agree with him, really. I mean, y- you know, he, he was outstanding. And a, a lot of these other people, and uh, I'm afraid the ladies, they, they, it, was, it was great to see them win. But, I mean, I think this has created a lot of uh, resentment, and that's one, one particular aspect of it, isn't it? Well, it is, but um, I don't think Saul Campbell's probably doing themselves any favours of getting one in the future. Um, by coming out with um, statements like that. But I can see exactly where he's coming from, Vince, as you, as you just mentioned. I mean, he was an outstanding footballer of his age, and, um, yeah, he, he's got a lot of um, records, if you like, that only he can hold. Um, I've never heard of Sol Campbell really playing the uh, race card before, because you never think of his colour, really, but apparently Sol Campbell was the first black player, an English black player, um, to score in a World Cup Finals. Um, apparently he was also the first um, black English player, not uh, the first black player, but to score in um, the Champions League, um, as far as I believe. And, um, yeah, he, there's other, he's got Rio Ferdinand um, backing him up, and also he's got John Terry. Now, I'd never, you'd never think that John Terry and Rio Ferdinand would uh, agree about something, especially because of the John Terry and Rio Ferdinand's brother business. But... Um, I imagine that they'll be sort of somewhere in the list, possibly waiting, because they haven't won anything recently. When um, the goalkeeper, Pat Jennings, who was a goalkeeper when I was a kid, um, he got a CBE this time, and uh, Pat Jennings must be definitely the other side of... Well, he must be... I don't know how old Pat Jennings is, to be honest, but he was playing when I was a child, so he's obviously getting on in years. Um... Scotland, Liverpool and Scotland star Andy Robertson he got one um, the Liverpool uh, left back um, for his services to football charity and young people 
So how they actually choose these people, I really don't know. Um, but yeah, you can see Saul Campbell's point, really. I mean, long service. I mean, that record that he, that he had as a player, and also he's done other things outside of his playing career. Um, and they, they keep getting overlooked. But like I say, they probably have to wait, just be patient. Um, Chris Kamara got one, which I think is good, um, because he has put in a lot of uh, good service to football. And also, uh, well, what's now he, that he's what's got, it, what's got that... that Illness he's got, he's, he's being very open about it. So yeah, yeah. But what's he done that that Saul Campbell hasn't done? That that's uh, something that he's he, he become a national treasure. Vince, which Saul Campbell has has become a not particularly successful manager um, after his footballing career, which is possibly why he's not he's not it, well. It, Chris Kamara was not at the same level of football. He, he was a professional footballer for many many years. But um, then he went on when his, his broadcasting career and everything. I mean, uh, made him really, really well known, and he's really, really well yeah, liked. Well, you know why he was really well known? It was because basically he was never concentrating on the game. He was sort of. Um, I can remember one particular time he was live on air, and he completely missed a goal. If you remember that. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. That's that, that's why people like it because he, he, he's talking into the camera. Something happens behind the. Or he used to sat, something happened behind his back, and he didn't know what was going on in the game. He used to get quite confused about actually, especially because he didn't have a prime position. He was looking at it from a, 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 a spectator's point of view. Uh, quite often, he couldn't see what was happening on the pitch and things like that. But it went down very well. He's a very entertaining man. I mean. Um, so yeah, so other people have been given um, honours, and Saul Campbell um, hasn't, and he's griped about it in, on this Twitter, which I imagine he's called griping publicly. I, I can see where he's coming from, as you can, Vince, but I don't think he's probably done himself any favours in the future um, as far as getting one, because that'll be a black mark against his name, won't it? With uh, well, with, with the whole system, the uh, establishment, if you like. Yeah, look, I, I feel a lot of sympathy for him because he was a great player and uh, with uh, the the time frame that he was playing in, um, you know, they, they, the black players did have problems and so, you know, I can see... We're talking about the late well, 1990s and the early part of the this century, Vince. Yeah. Um... If it, I don't, I don't, this would be interesting to find out. Now, I don't know if you know off the top of your head. I don't know. I don't know if any of the listeners might know. Um, we should probably put a prize if somebody does. But has <laughs> Vic Anderson got any kind of uh, recognition? Because Vic mm. Anderson was first, first. Yeah, first black, bl- black player, wasn't he? Mm. Uh, for, first uh, black Premier League player, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, and he was the first. He was the first in uh, an official match, at least, because uh, if we go back over history, um, there are there were other players, um, non-white players, if you like, he played for the England team, but not in official matches. Yeah, um, Anderson. I think it was nineteen ninety-two. I mean, I nineteen eighty-two. Sorry, I can remember it. And he was the first um, black-skinned player born in England to actually play for the English national team. Um, and that must have been a lot of pressure at the time because we're talking about the 19, early 1980s there. Whether he's got a prize for it, I don't know. But um, I'll say it'd be interesting to find out because there's always going to be people who don't win these things, aren't there? 
And yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, I don't know who decides. I don't know if it's King Charles himself who, who decides. No, it's um, it's all yeah, it's all sort of fed into. I mean, you know, um, the, the whole Blumen thing reeks of just um, shenanigans. Anyway, I'll move on because basically, um, uh, I wish Sol Campbell well actually because he, he did play well and he has uh, come through a different difficult time and proven um, that he was a winner but uh, let's go next to yeah, uh, no, I, I, I hope that he gets his uh, managerial career back on uh, track as well because um, I don't think he's, I don't think he's in management at the moment um, but I think he should give it another go because uh, he, he well <laughs> He might as well, haven't he? Let's face it. OK, well, look, we go to a new report now claiming that Cristiano Ronaldo's highly lucrative contract with Saudi Arabia's Al Nassar has a loophole. And apparently if Newcastle United make the top four during the furore over Ronaldo's future while he was at Manchester United and when he became a free agent... There was the belief that the Portuguese star was seeking Champions League football. And while he's since opted to go to Saudi Arabia, away from the European uh, top competition, he could be back sooner than expected if this report from Marker is to be believed that there's this clause. And now there will, will be uh, Saudi connections with the money, won't there? Oh, well, there is definitely. I mean, um, th- this... Not the Newcastle situation, but the fact that um, Cristiano Ronaldo was was very likely to go to uh, Saudi and basically be able to na- name his own price and his own contract. We mentioned that actually um, before the World Cup, when it was all to do with the Qatar World Cup, and it was um, a Saudi journalist called uh, Walid Al Farah who um, basically explained in very simple terms that uh, the Saudis would be prepared to do anything at all, really, because they've got money without limit to uh, get Cristiano Ronaldo to play in Saudi Arabia, um, even if he was past his best, just to so people go and see him on the pitch, because they're mad into football, let's face it, and they've got pots of money. But this Newcastle thing, um, the Newcastle is actually owned by, it's, it's in, um, the Qatari government and the Saudi government, uh, basically, they, they, they work together and they've got these... Well, the government like Paris Saint-Germain, it's owned by the Qatari government, basically. Um, and apparently it's written into... And Marca is... If anybody doesn't know, Marca is a Spanish um, sports newspaper. Um, it's got the best journalists, um, sports journalists in Spain and the youth journalists throughout the world. They very rarely get things wrong, Vince. It's the biggest selling newspaper um, in Spain. It sells slightly more than El País, which is like a normal newspaper. Right. Um, it's basically um, it's dedicated to sport. It's not dedicated to politics, it's dedicated to sport. So if Marcus says something's happened, it usually has or it usually will. Um, so I think the source is quite trustworthy, but it might be written into his clause. Yeah, if Newcastle get, prim- uh, get Champions League football, he can then go on loan to a club that his parent club already own, if you like. Um, and I don't know what other, what's position that might put Eddie Howe in, um, considering if Newcastle get to the Champions League um, position, which is the first one of the first four in the Premier League, um, and Eddie Howe is still the manager, which I think he will be because he's going very well, whether or not he'll have any choice in the matter. If he doesn't want to play Cristiano, will he be obliged to? That's where I can see possibly complications coming in. 
But yeah, he's probably is written into his contract, Vince. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Okay. Um, right, well, obviously Newcastle playing really well when we discuss the games. That will be um, yeah. partly what we're going to be discussing. But um, our last uh, talking point, and reading from the article a few months ago, it felt as if most of Britain was lining up patiently on the streets of London to pay tribute to the Queen. On Monday, at the end of three days of state mourning for Pele, the man enshrined for many um, as the greatest footballer there's ever been, Brazil turned its its eyes to Vila Belmiro, a stadium in the port city of Santos, and formed its own version of the queue to pay tribute to its king. The, this queue was a beautiful thing. It was a football queue. It was a manifestation of the legacy of joy in the game that Pele created. People had come to mourn uh, him and to attend what had been styled as a public wake for him ahead of his funeral on Tuesday, where a cortege uh, was going to wind through the streets and past his mother's house before a private family ceremony. But it felt mm-hmm. as if they had come to celebrate everything that football means to them too. Every player, it went on to say later in the article, who comes into the Brazilian national team does it with a huge sense of responsibility. Zico uh, was one of these um, early players who told the journalist of his football school in Rio de Janeiro. Um, Very recently, Pelé took this responsibility Uh, responsibility incredibly seriously and it could be mirrored by how he helped Brazil to be recognised throughout the world Pele was very important to our national identity, he was an ambassador for us, I know in England that sometimes you say the same thing about Bobby Charlton but it's not quite the same, sure some people might say oh Bobby Charlton if you say you're from England (laughs) but there are other things they might think too, Uh, so obviously they don't realise that the world has moved on a little bit since those days Um, but uh, obviously looking at the morning state funeral that sort of thing um, going on in um, Brazil a tremendous legacy um, which has carried on from one man and uh, a legend from a great team from earlier times Brazil doesn't have quite that pull at the moment does it? No, um, the, the, well, um, the recent performances, if you like, of the Brazilian national team over uh, the previous few World Cups haven't really lived up to the standards that um, people in Brazil um, expect. However, as we mentioned during the recent World Cup, um, it's maybe not them that's gone down particularly in form, although they didn't seem to be playing particularly brilliantly. It's other teams that have come up and are really uh, up to the same level now. Yeah. But yes, um, Pele, very, very sad. But we knew that he was very ill, didn't we? And um, well, maybe re- may he rest in peace. But uh, yeah, millions of people went. Um, I don't know how many people actually um, went to see the uh, him laid out, if you like, in this football stadium. Yeah. But loads of people from all over Brazil, because let's face it, he was a Brazilian icon. Yeah. Um, they, used to, no, they still will call him, but they used to call him Ray, which is like the king because um, Brazil doesn't have a king and it's also got quite a turbulent political situation, I think, and he always has done. Yeah. Um, and I think Pelé was one of the few people, possibly, maybe the only person in Brazil who united everybody because at the end of the day, they're all Brazilian, regardless of whether they support this politi- political system or the other political system in a turbulent country. 
he brought everybody together and um, he's, he's probably the most iconic footballer ever to exist or ever to exist so far um, and yeah it was a real shame um, that, he, that he went but um, the, Brazilian pe- the Brazilian people have shown how much they uh, loved him and I think there's been outpour well, outpourings of grief but you know respect throughout the world yeah. Um, all the all of the Premier League teams and all of the English Football League teams from the Championship all the way down, um, right until grassroots level. Last weekend, after Pelé had passed away, um, they all held a minute of applause. Uh, they all wore the uh, the black armbands, but it was a minute's applause. It wasn't a minute's silence. Yeah. Um, because let's face it, Pelé changed the world of football, didn't he? he? Changed the way people played. He changed the way people thought about it. And he went through his whole life as an ambassador. Uh, I think it's very sad that he's gone. And I think it's very nice that the Brazilian people have, have come together in such support. OK, uh, we'll go next to your La Liga and then we'll go to the Copa de Reyes straight after that. So let's play the jingle and uh, here we go. It's wrong. La Liga Roundup with Rob Daniels. Okay, Rob, now you're going to tell us something about Lewandowski, aren't you? Yes, well, um, as, well, as, as we know, La Liga actually started again after the World Cup, just prior to New Year. Um, and on New Year's Eve, uh, there weren't any particularly surprising results, apart from possibly this one. Um, but on New Year's Eve, Saturday the th- uh, 31st of December 2022, Barcelona and Espanyol played the uh, Barcelona City derby because uh, they're both from the city of Barcelona and the big rivals. Um, it ended in a surprise draw for Espanyol, actually, because everyone expected Barca to win. However, that isn't the major point of uh, why we're talking about this match in particular. Um, the reason that this match has uh, become controversial and it's an ongoing situation is the fact that um, the Polish um, striker who... Um, Robert Lewandowski, who um, played most of his career in Germany, he played at Borussia Dortmund, he played at uh, Bayern Munich for many, many years. He's coming to the end of his career, so most people will have heard of him, especially if you follow the Champions League. Um, he was suspended in the, the last match before the World Cup started. He got uh, a red card because he got two consecutive yellow cards in the same match against Osasuna in the final match before the breakup for the World Cup. But then he made what was either an abusive or possibly even considered a threatening gesture towards the referee as he was being sent off. And he got suspended for two more matches. So in total, he got a three-match ban. First match after the uh, World Cup, and they're playing Espanyol, local derby. And Robert Lewandowski is on the team list for Barcelona. He actually played the match. He didn't do anything in the match particularly. He didn't play particularly well. But um, it it was flagged up immediately. Why was he in the team list to start with? And number two, why was he allowed on the pitch? Um, but this is where it starts becoming very, very shenanigans, possibly, should we say, the the, yeah, the usual sort of thing that we talk about on quite a regular basis. Um, the backgrounds to these kind of things. Um, the referee in that match was that guy, um, Lahou, who had a very bad World Cup. Oh, it was brought to his attention that Lewandowski was banned for three matches. And why is he? What, why is he? Why is he going to play for Barcelona in this match? It turns out that it's taken the whole of the World Cup period for this to be processed, and 
his sanction was ratified, if you like. It was it was said, yes, he's got a three-match ban two, two days before the match. And Barcelona have appealed now to the national court, have appealed to the civil court. And this could take months, years, possibly. You know what the court system's like? It just takes ages. But they're not... They, he did get the red card for a one-match suspension for his two yellows. So even if his three-match ban was suspended... He should still be suspended. Should still have been suspended for one match at least, while they're deciding whether or not he should be for the other two. And Barcelona basically, the, the, they're trying it on, I would say, but it seemed a bit pointless because he didn't really do anything at the end of the day. But he sh- it's the question is, should he have been banned for that match, or should they wait until the court decision comes out? Because if the court decision goes in his favour, he. he, he it's, a, it's one of these complicated legal situations, Vince, that Barcelona loves to get themselves in. They're always looking for loopholes. Um, we know in the back, in the background, in the, the whole history of Barcelona Football Club, love them or hate them. Um, I am neutral, basically, but says, you know, Esperanza, my friend Esperanza, is, is a massive Barcelona fan. But they, they, they've been doing this throughout the, the whole course of football history, uh, looking for loopholes. And this looks like it is one, but it's a very big story in Spanish football because if, if you play a player that shouldn't be playing, uh, um, if it comes out against Barcelona, then Espanyol will win the three points. Barcelona will have a sanction. So it's all in the balance, but uh, it's just what you need, isn't it, when you come back after the World Cup? <laughs> Something like that. But Rob, um, am I right in saying that um, you were saying that he actually sort of threatened the referees in some way, didn't he? Well, his, his red card initially was for two yellow cards in the same match, which it, 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 there's no doubt about that. I mean, there's no one's arguing about that. But the extra two match suspension, making it three in total, um, is because as he was walking off the pitch um, after he'd been sent off, he made a gesture which could be misconstrued, shall we say, as a threatening gesture. Um, because basically he sort of pointed to his eye and then pointed at the referee and sort of looked directly at the referee, which um, could be construed as threatening, couldn't it? It's that kind of thing. It's that kind of uh, vague threat where oh, we know where you live kind of thing. Um, and that is why he got the extra two match ban because of the, that gesture. And that is the one that Barcelona are appealing against. The first one, that he should have stayed the one-match suspension at least while this is all going on, they've ignored that as well, which is where the actual problems come in. Now, the legal problems, and it could go on for ages, and Barcelona, he's 34 now, he came in, did Lewandowski, basically to show some of the younger lads at Barcelona, he's experienced, um, he's like there is a mentor more than anything else, and he's still a good player, but the chances are he'll, he'll be retired. If by the time this comes to court, if it ever does, if it doesn't get resolved beforehand, <laughs> the thing is, if he plays again, he could, he he's if he's allowed to play again, he can play against Atletico Madrid this weekend, um, and he's a good player. Let's face it, he's, he's an integral part of their team at the moment. Yeah, and then he, he should, if he can play against Atletico Madrid this weekend, then he's got the go ahead basically to um, play all the matches until this appeal comes to court, which could take years. Okay, well, look. Um, what else is going on in La Liga that that our listeners would like to know about? Well, the standings at the moment, Vince, um, are, are pretty much the same as they were um, when we spoke last week. However, 
Barcelona only got the draw um, when they played the uh, Barcelona derby against Espanyol. It ended up one all, which nobody really was predicting. Um, but that's how it ended up. Derby matches, Espanyol are up there as well, so why not? But we've got Barcelona at the top um, on 38. We've got Real Madrid who won their match. They're also on 38 at the moment. It's the difference. Barcelona top on goal difference. Um, then we've got Real Sociedad, Atletico Madrid, Athletic Club Bilbao, Real Betis there, all in the European positions. And as we go down to the bottom, I mean, poor old Elche, the local clubs to where, down where I live, they have lost their last four matches on the bounce. The fifth previous match was a draw, so they got four points after 15 matches, and they got knocked out of the Copa del Rey um, a couple of nights ago against Ceuta, um, which is a, a, a very small team from the Spanish enclave of Ceuta. At the top of Morocco, and Elche got knocked out by them out of the Copa del Rey. So they're in a very bad season. Sevilla are still in a relegation position, um, which they don't seem to be getting any better than Sevilla. So it's interesting to see how things will pile, but that's the situation we're at at the moment, Vince. And you've got a good um, bit of information coming from the Copa del Rey, which is a bit like the FA Cup, isn't it? Well, it is. It's the, uh, it's the Spanish um, Football so, uh, Federation's Cup. And it's called the uh, Copa del Rey because it's the, the King's Cup. And they played, or they're, they're still playing actually, but this week, um, like we've got FA Cup matches coming up, which we'll speak about uh, towards the end of the podcast. But they're fitting their, um, they call it the last six, the, the 16th round, they call it, but it's actually where you've got 32 teams left. It's before you get to the um, quarterfinals, basically. And uh, Lanusia, which where you used to live, yeah. um, they played Valencia. Um, just by just by chance, it was pulled out uh, that they played Valencia. But in the Copa del Rey, the team that's in the lower division always plays at home. It's just one of those things. Um, so um, Valencia played Lanusia and they won. I think it was nil three to Valencia. So there was no real surprises there. But then last night. Um, there's a team called Intercity and it's called Intercity de San Juan which is actually the town that I'm from the sort of small town that I, that I come from they played Barcelona um, last night and everyone was expecting it to be uh, a bit of a slaughter they couldn't play at their own ground because it's not um, it's still it's a, a municipal sports ground that they play at at the moment <laughs> and um, it doesn't have seating all around the stadium so a couple of seasons ago, they got into the same round they played off as it will bow. They couldn't play it at home, so they went to Elche, which um, obviously Alicante, Edcalis, Rico Perez Stadium, it's a world-class stadium. They wanted um, it to be played in Alicante. It was a massive day in Alicante City yesterday. I didn't go um, because I had other things to do. But apparently, the Barcelona coach, when it arrived and everything, there were people crowding the streets. But when it came to the match itself... Um, Barcelona went ahead, as you'd expect, but then Intercity came back, Barcelona went 2-1, Intercity came back to the all. Barcelona went ahead 3-1, or 3-2, Intercity got 3-all. They took Barcelona to extra time, Vince, and they only lost 4-3. Wow. They only lost on one goal in extra time. Now that is, it's not a massive upset because they didn't win the match. But that is something that um, nobody really expected. And the Barcelona didn't put out a particularly weak team. They put out their second goalkeeper because that's generally what people, their teams do in the uh, Copa del Rey. Um, they, they, but the rest of the, the team who played, um, it was Antu Fati, the uh, young lad, who actually came on in extra time and scored the winning goal. 
that they had basically a full team and a small a team from a small town like where I come from um, managed to take them extra time. So yeah, that was a, that was a brilliant result and. Uh, well, it surprised everybody. It's, it's, it's front page news on all sports pages. <laughs> Super. Um, the one who scored the, the goals for Intercity to San Juan is called Oriel Saldivia Puig. Uh, and he's 21 years old. He was completely unknown until last night. But he actually went through the Barcelona youth system and he didn't, he didn't make it at Barcelona. So he went to, he was sold to Birmingham City under 23 squad. And then he didn't like it in England because he he, he was only young. He, he didn't really. He was just there because he'd been sent there. He was. You see, he was an offer from Intercity. Came back to play for them, and they scored a hat trick against Barcelona. So uh, yeah, that's a, that's a nice story. I Great, think. Roy the Rover stuff. That mm. okay? Um, Premier League next. So uh, stand by. Okay, now we've got stacks to get through here. So we start on Saturday. Um, so we're just quickly letting you know how did we do on Saturday. Wolves nil, Manchester United one. I got that right. You got it wrong. Bournemouth nil, Crystal Palace three. I got it right. Uh, you went for a draw. Fulham two, Southampton one. We both got it right. Man City one, Everton one. We both got that one wrong. Newcastle we, nil. We didn't wrong big stat, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Newcastle nil, Leeds nil. Uh, you got that right. I got that wrong. I thought Newcastle would beat Leeds. Brighton two, Arsenal four. I got that right. You got uh, went for a draw. So yeah. uh, we'll come back to those games in our conversation as we go um, to Sunday's games. Spurs nil. Aston Villa 2 um, I thought it would be 1-1 one, one. you thought it would be 3-1 and then Nottingham Forest 1 Chelsea 1 we both that, got that one wrong so uh, there's lots to talk about uh, but I think I'm going to pick it up from uh, Monday's game when Brentford beat Liverpool 3-1 Liverpool have got lots of fallout after this um, I thought it would be 2-2 you thought Liverpool would win I thought Brentford looked good they I don't think they were 3-1 better than Liverpool I just think there's problems at Liverpool and I think because Virgil van Dijk has uh, been pulled off and then subsequently he's got a hamstring problem I think that tells its own tale uh, because I've never seen the Liverpool defence look so frail despite the fact that they've got Canati just come back from France's World Cup team um, they've got Matip who looks good and uh, they've got uh, Nat Phillips hanging around so you know they're not short on good players in the back four but they're short on tactically playing the right game so what did you make of all that right well I only actually uh, saw the um, second half of that match so when I actually um, walked in and started watching it it was uh, it was 2-1 to um, Brentford and it I thought, I think most people did, because there's still quite a long way to go, Yeah, that, um, that Liverpool would, would at least get a draw. Um, but they seem to be playing particularly badly. Uh, most Salah seems to be missing 
really easy ones again, doesn't he? I mean, they yeah. just don't seem to be on top of their game. Um, like they were, they, they, they haven't really been on form, really good form for a, a long period of time throughout the whole of this season, have they? Uh, Liverpool, unfortunately for Liverpool and supporters such as yourself. Yeah. Um, but then Brighton got, oh, sorry, um, Brentford, who are doing extremely well. Um, I didn't realise, particularly until it was brought to my attention by some of the Spanish guys, how well Brentford are actually doing. They're, they're up to seventh now um, in the Premier League. Um, so when they, they got the third goal, it was by a guy called uh, Brian Mabomo, he's called. He's, uh, he's French. But um, when he scored the third goal, he just couldn't believe it. Um, there was a bit of controversy about it because Liverpool thought it should have been a, a foul and things, but I personally don't think it should have been. But scoring a goal, the winning goal against Liverpool, he wouldn't have imagined that in, in a million years, would he? No. And I think Brentford won it. I, I watched the the, um, the first half in catch-up, if you like, and I think Brentford won it fair and square um, because they are on form and Liverpool just weren't at the races, were they? Uh, especially in the second half. OK, look, I, I'm aware that uh, we've got um, 15 minutes and we've got a lot still to get through. So mm-hmm. I'll go to, to um, last night's games. Everton nil, Brighton 4. Now, uh, Everton, of course, had a draw against Manchester City. Brighton are a good little team, but 4-0 um, at Goodison... Goodness gracious me, I think Frank Lampard could well be looking for a job shortly if he's not careful. I think uh, Frank Lampard's been against the ropes for a while now, hasn't he, Vince? And uh, I wouldn't be surprised by the time we speak next week if um, they're, they're looking for a new manager or possibly got a new manager, Everton, because I'm, I can't see Frank Lampard lasting very much longer, can you? No. He's always not happy there, but uh, yeah, the 4 0 at home. Um, that that would push any director over the limit, I think, wouldn't it? Well, we both predicted Brighton to win that one, so we did well to see that anyway. Uh, we go mm. to the second game, which was Leicester nil, Fulham one. Now, I thought, well, we both thought it was going to be a draw. Uh, Leicester, uh, I'm afraid they were very unlucky against Liverpool. Two own goals. Um, so, yeah, a bit, um, a, a bit bad for them. Fulham had beaten Southampton, so... Obviously, they're on a bit of a run now. So, Brendan Rodgers, not the happiest bunny. No, he won't be, will he? Uh, and as you say, again, when the two own goals um, in the first match against Liverpool, they, they, were, they, they will be repeated on things like YouTube and that for time anymore, I think, because they were, they were two spectacular own goals by the same player. Mm. However, um, yeah, Leicester City... They're not. They're not in a bad position, actually. Uh, they're in thirteenth place at the moment, but they and they, they just they, don't, they can't gel, can they? This season, and full ammo going well. So yeah, Brendan Rodgers again. He's done really well with the uh, squad he's got, but um, they can't afford to get rid of him, can they? So uh, they can't afford to buy any players. 
But yeah, I feel a bit sorry for Brendan Rodgers because he, he he could do a lot better if he had just a little bit of backup from the um, from the management, if you like, from the directors. Yeah, I've got to speed things up a little bit. Now we go to Arsenal-Newcastle. I saw that as a draw. You saw it as a Newcastle win. And um, it was um, frenetic, to say the very least. Uh, the score, of course, well, there wasn't any. It was nil-nil. Uh, did you see that game? Because it was a good game to watch. I, I didn't actually see it uh, live, Vince. No, I didn't have time, unfortunately, to see that. Uh, but um, I did see the uh, catch-up of it. And, yeah, for a little draw, like a really exciting match, on, to be honest. OK, Manchester United, they are beginning to look a threat to anybody. Uh, they beat Bournemouth 3-0. I predicted 3-0, so I wasn't uh, that surprised. You predicted 2-1, so we got the... We got it right. Uh, let's go to Southampton of nil, Nottingham Forest one. I thought it would be the other way round. You got it spot on. So uh, Nottingham Forest giving themselves a, a fighting chance of getting out of the bot the bottom three. I don't think they're a bad team. I think they can probably do a little better even now. What do you think? Well, Forrest now, after that uh, win, they're actually out of the relegation position. I think it's the first time since the season started, Vince, because they were cut adrift for quite a while, weren't they? Yeah. Um, they're out of the relegation position at the moment. And Southampton, well, they could, the statistics I've got in front of me at the moment only do the last five matches, but they've lost the last five in a row. I think they've lost more than that in a row. And they are becoming looking like the main candidates go down because the, the manager was sacked fairly recently. The new manager doesn't seem to have been able to do very much with them. Um, at the moment, in the relegation positions, actually, we've got Everton, Wolves and Southampton. Um, and Forest are actually ooh, same, same amount of points as Leeds. Oh, dear. OK, <laughs> so we go to Leeds next. Uh, Leeds 2, West Ham 2 last night. I predicted that spot on. You thought they would win 3-1. Um, but uh, I think all these games are difficult now. And Leeds, at least you've had a couple of reasonable games, haven't you? Well, we've got two draws out of the first two matches um, that we've been back for. I really expected more of the Leeds yesterday against West Ham. Um, but I don't know if you saw much of that match, but the weather was absolutely dreadful. Yeah. Um, but that would have suited Leeds better because it's the weather, weather there, well, it's the weather where they're from. But, um, yeah, I was quite disappointed actually that Leeds didn't get the three points last night because uh, West Ham didn't seem to have very much. Um, they, they had 21 shots and only three on target. Two of them went in. I mean, uh, but that's not a very good uh, percentage rate of shots if you oh. can only get three and target out of 21. Yeah. But yeah, it ended up um, to all and West Ham were 2 1 up at, um, just after half time. So I think Leeds were quite fortunate to get the draw. That was open for all, to be honest, Vince. Villain won. Wolves won. Um, I thought it'd be 2-1. You thought it'd be 3-1. Uh, let's go to the Palace game. They were nil-nil at half-time. It was Palace nil, Spurs 4. We both thought that would be a draw. Not a good performance by Crystal Palace, but better by Spurs. Oh, yeah, it was... Um the second half performance by Spurs um, was what you'd expect Spurs to play like. I mean, Harry Kane got two, um, Son Heung Min got the uh, fourth goal, and uh, in the middle, uh, that I called uh, Matt Doherty got the uh, third goal, if you like, for uh, Spurs. I think Spurs played like they should do, and I think Palace sort of capitulated. I think Palace thought that they were 
I thought, I think whatever the part-time talk tactics were, um, I think that uh, Patrick Vieira got it wrong for Palace. I think they thought they were in a better position than they actually were. Yeah. OK, uh, Chelsea play Man City tonight. I'm going to get your prediction. I say Chelsea nil, Man, C- Man City won. Yes. Um... I won't want to, don't want to repeat yards wins, but I'll go one two to okay. get the same result. <laughs> okay, and uh, what about uh, Man United Everton on Friday? The way that uh, both teams are performing at the moment, it's got to be Man United. I would say wins. Um, Everton hopefully won't. Um, <coughs> they'll put for a bit of a fight, but. I think it's got to be Man U. I'd say, I'd say 3-0 to Man U. OK, I've put 4-0, so we're on the same page with that one. OK, nah. uh, now the focus goes to the FA Cup, and we've got a lot of uh, fixtures, but I want us to just concentrate uh, for the last part of the podcast on the Premier League clashes in the Cup. So just go through the predictions first. We'll talk about it in a minute. Um, we've only got about seven minutes left. So Crystal Palace play Southampton. Prediction? It's the Cup, isn't it? So I, I think Southampton could do this, actually. I think that, uh, because it's the Cup. I'll go for 1-2 to Southampton. OK, I've gone 2-0 to Palace. Um, no. Right, uh, Gillingham play Leicester. Right, uh, <clears throat> Gillingham. I've got. I don't even know which division they're in, Vince. But they're they're a team that's been around since uh, since I can remember. So they are professionals. There's going to be no. There's going to be no um, replays, are there? But I can nope. see this possibly being a draw at the end of ninety minutes, going on to extra time, and Leicester should win it um, at the end of the day. Like when when the final result comes out, I think Leicester City should win it. Okay, um, I've got Gillingham nil, Leicester two. Uh-huh. Spurs play Portsmouth. Prediction? It's got to be Spurs, I think, Vince. Um, Spurs, are, they're looking to win something. And um, it's got. I think it's going to be 2-0 to Spurs. OK, I've said 4-0 to Spurs, so we're on the same page. <laughs> OK, Blackpool play Nottingham Forest. Now, that's an even Stevens match, as I would, I would say, Vince. Uh, Blackpool aren't such a bad team. Um, and they'll not be they've keeping track of Forest because Forest are recently promoted. Again, I think this could be a draw. I think this would be a two all at the end of ninety minutes. Go to extra time, and from there on, it's anyone's guess. I wouldn't be surprised to see Blackpool um, pull this one off. Actually, so I'll go for a Blackpool win at the end of the match. Okay, I've gone Blackpool one, Nottingham Forest two. Um, Bournemouth play Burnley. Right now, if that had been the other way around, if they'd been playing in Burnley, I would have put Burnley down for the uh, win actually, because um, it's Vincent Company who's the Burnley manager at the moment. Yeah. And, uh, yep. But I think playing away, and it is quite a long way for them to go. I'll give it the other way around. I'll go for Bournemouth on that one, Vince. Uh, okay. Two-one. I've gone for Burnley two nil. Um, Hull City play Fulham. Right, again, this is one that, that, that both teams have got regular visitors to the Championship, if you like. Full of happen to be in the Premier League this time. But I think the home advantage will give uh, Hull City 
um, the win. I, I think Hull City would do this 2-1. OK, I've said 1-2, so it's good we'd see it differently. Middles... Hull City is quite close to me. It's not my team, but uh, when my friends listen to this, I've got to, I've got to give it to one take. <laughs> OK, Middlesbrough play Brighton. Right. Um, again, that's a long way for Brighton to go. And Middlesbrough is not the most friendly place to go and play away. Um, I know that because uh, I know what it's like there. And the weather isn't going to be good. So I think Liverpool, I think Middlesbrough could actually pull off, uh, not a big surprise, but I think Liverpool, uh, Middlesbrough could actually win this, Vince, um, 2 0. OK, I've gone Middlesbrough 1, Brighton 3. Um, Brentford, West Ham. Good game, this one. Yeah, that should be a good game, shouldn't it? Um, if Brentford carry on like they are doing in the league and West Ham continue like they are doing in the league, then this should go to Brentford, I think. It could be 3-1, I think, to Brentford. OK, I've put 3-2, so we're on the same page. Liverpool play Wolves. Again, it's the, the Premier League tie. If things go to the same form as it is in the Premier League, Liverpool should do this. Um, again, I'd say three. I'll say three nil at six. The Wolves don't have anything. Um, as far as I can see, I think three nil to Liverpool wins. Okay, Liverpool have got to bounce back because they've been awful for the last two games. But I think they'll struggle. I think it might just be a one nil. And uh, the last of the games, which is uh, involving the Premier League, uh, Sheffield Wednesday take on Newcastle United. Right, well, Sheffield Wednesday is a very well-known team, but it's, it's basically in reputation and name only, isn't it? Um, the, the way Newcastle are playing, and they're going to want to win something this year. They're not just want to get... They're also going for a Champions League place in the Premier League. They're going to want to win something. Um, I think I, I think uh, Newcastle will win this, and I think they'll go as far as they can in this competition and try and win it. So I think it'll be 1-3 uh, to Newcastle wins. I said 1-3 as well, so we've got the same on that one. OK, look, yeah. I, I didn't think we were going to get through everything because uh, there's a lot to get through today. So you you have done very well, the same as uh, we always do anyway. We, we manage it somehow. Um, yeah. Yeah, very interesting uh, week, actually, with the Premier League. Um, Liverpool uh, looking, <laughs> they're on the ropes at the moment, but they've got this new guy coming in uh, from uh, one of the... Um, he, he's a Dutch guy anyway and he's going to take Dirk Count's um, number so let's hope it brings him a bit of luck because we could do with a bit of luck at the moment um, yeah. yeah again that, that, that young lad who we asked, I couldn't remember his name last week and because he's not well known is he at the moment in the Premier League he will be when he starts probably but Man United had been negotiated for, for this lad um, for about the last last nine months I think it was like to and throwing and how much is he going to get and what's the what's the what's the, what's the deal going to be if he scores X amount of goals blah 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 and uh, Liverpool went in and within 24 hours of actually showing an interest in him they'd agreed a deal and they'd signed him so uh, let's hope Klopp's made the right decisions as far as you're concerned but that's the difference in negotiation if Klopp or Liverpool see somebody they, they fancy They'll go in and just make an offer, and Man United go through all of the different permutations and end up losing him. Right, Rob, well, I didn't think I'd be saying it this quickly because uh, the hour seems to have just 
flown by. So um, I think, uh, yes, we can say Happy New Year, final time, and then it's back to uh, normal. So uh, very Happy New Year to you, Rob, and thanks very much indeed for your input today. My pleasure as always, Vince. Speak soon. Thank you, Rob. Yeah.